Back in 1983, there was an Oscar award-winning film release, nominated for eight Oscars, won four Oscars, and the opening line of the movie as it began were these words. On October 14, 1947, Captain Charles Yeager broke the sound barrier, shattered the sound barrier, propelled man into the future, and a, a search began for a new breed of men. And the name of that movie is? There you go. See? The right stuff. And uh, that movie kind of told the story of our early uh, Mercury 7 astronauts and their, uh, what was called at the time, their seat-of-the-pants approach to spaceflight, looking for men with the right stuff. People today are still looking for men and women with the right stuff. We have headhunting organizations whose sole function is to find the right person for the right job. We have college recruiters that are out on high school campuses looking for students with the right stuff for their universities. As I thought about this, Jesus was looking for people with the right stuff. And I think of his choice of the 12 apostles, even including Judas, right? The right stuff. And then I think in the ministry of Jesus how often it was that he was searching for people that needed to hear the gospel. People that had the right stuff. They were ready to respond to the gospel. I think of his encounter with the woman at the well. His encounter with Jairus, the, the synagogue official with the sick daughter. Jesus was looking for people that were ready to respond to the gospel. And we come this morning again to Mark chapter 7. And we see Jesus in an encounter with a woman. And it's in this encounter, I think, that we learn some things about what is the right kind of stuff that we should be praying and looking for and hoping for in the hearts and lives of people that we have the opportunity to engage with and to plant seeds with. And so come with me again to Mark chapter 7. We want to jump into this story, this account in the life of Jesus in verse 24. So I want to read this passage, and then I want to flip over to Matthew chapter 15, because Matthew tells the story in the same way with some interestingly additional details. So I want to read both of these accounts. Mark chapter 7, verse 24. Jesus got up and went away from there to the region of Tyre. And when he had entered a house, he wanted no one to know of it. Yet he could not escape notice. But after hearing of him, a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit immediately came and fell at his feet. Now the woman was a Gentile of the Syrophoenician race, and she kept asking him to cast the demon out of her daughter. And he was saying to her, Let the children be satisfied first, for it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. And she answered and said to him, Yes, Lord, but even the dogs under the table feed on the children's crumbs. And he said to her, Because of this answer, go, the demon has gone out of your daughter. And going back to her home, she found the child lying on the bed, the demon having left. And then, if you will, I'm going to flip over to the passage in Matthew 15, beginning in verse 21. The same account in the life of Jesus, but some interesting additional details. 
verse 21 of Matthew 15. Jesus went away from there and withdrew into the district of Tyre and Sidon. And a Canaanite woman from that region came out and began to cry out, saying, Have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. My daughter is cruelly demon-possessed. But he did not answer her a word. And his disciples came and implored him, saying, Send her away, because she keeps shouting at us. But he answered and said, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and began to bow down before him, saying, Lord, help me. And he answered and said, It is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. But she said, Yes, Lord, but even the dogs feed on the crumbs which fall from the master's table. And then Jesus said to her, O woman, your faith is great. It shall be done for you as you wish. And her daughter was healed at once. And as I've reflected on this, this passage, as I've thought about this story, there's, there's probably three or four different sermons captured here, themes that could be pursued and developed. Uh, we could talk about how a parent should pray for their child. We could talk about how a parent should approach Jesus and the kind of uh, repetitive requesting and asking. There, there's lessons here uh, beyond what I want to share with you this morning. But what, what struck me this morning is that there's three qualities that I observe in the life of this woman that comprise for me the right stuff that I'm hoping and praying I will find in the hearts and lives of people that I'm privileged to engage in conversation and talk to about the Lord. There's three qualities here that I kind of want to draw your attention to and think about. The first thing that struck me about this woman is that she came to Jesus. She was seeking Him. She was seeking help. She had a need. And it's interesting that Jesus came to this region of Tyre and Sidon. And if you think of your geography on the map, you're familiar with the nation of Israel, right? And up at the top we have the Sea of Galilee, and at the bottom the Dead Sea. And about that area of Galilee, up around the Sea of Galilee... If you go about 40 miles to the northwest on the coast of the Mediterranean, you'll come to the area, the two cities of Tyre and Sidon. And from the text it appears, Jesus went there for one reason. He didn't go there searching for people to preach to or people to teach. He went there again to get away. He went there with his disciples to get some alone time, some time maybe for instruction, some time for some rest. He's going into this house, you notice, and he's hoping that nobody will know that he's there. And this woman comes, this one individual, she comes because she has a need. And obviously she's heard about Jesus, right? And if we read carefully in the early chapters of Mark's Gospel, we discover that there were people from Tyre and Sidon, these two cities, that had come down to Galilee to meet Jesus because they came also for help and for healing. So as I read this passage, this woman has heard stories. She's heard about Jesus. She's heard about what He is capable of doing. And she comes seeking Him. She comes because she has a need. Her, her culture that she lives in is a pagan, idolatrous culture. The religion of the Syrophoenicians, Tyre and Sidon, everything we know about that region was uh, idolatry, immorality. Uh, this is not 
helping her. Her culture and her religion can't help her. One of the questions I have as I read this passage is, there's no mention here of uh, a husband. There's no mention here of a father. There's no mention of any other family. And it raises the question in my mind, is this woman all alone? If she has family, they can't help her solve this problem, right? And if she's all alone, why is she all alone? Is it because she has a demon-possessed daughter that's made her kind of an outcast? So she comes to Jesus in a time of need, seeking Him. And it causes me to wonder, are there people in my circle of influence who are looking for answers, who have needs, who are looking for help, looking for hope, and they have no answers. Are there, is it possible there's people in your circle of influence and in my circle of influence that have a need and they're seeking? Is that possible? Absolutely. And I think sometimes we find ourselves thinking people aren't interested in hearing about the Lord. Some people would be upset because we had a conversation with them about the Lord. Some people would become angry or offended, which easily happens, right? I think we assume a lot of times those kind of reactions and responses. And we forget that there's people that have needs. People that are looking for answers. People that are looking for hope. Our culture provides them with what? More questions, more problems, despair, not hope. Other religious systems provide them with no hope, no help. And so I wonder if there's more people in my circle of influence like this woman than I believe there are that are seeking for help. It's become very popular in the last, I want to say, 40 years for many churches to adopt a philosophy of ministry seeking to become what's known as being seeker-sensitive. They plan everything that they do with the idea of making a church service or a church program attractive or of interest to not offend those who might be seeking. And I'm not opposed to that concept necessarily, but... My observation is most people don't think of the church as the place to go to find what they're looking for. They want what they need. And if I understand the scriptures, the plan of Jesus is not for us to hold a service hoping that those seekers will come and find us. The plan of Jesus is what? For us to be out there engaging with people and sharing with them the good news about Jesus. It is not in the plan of God for His truth necessarily to be kept inside these walls where people would come to get a hold of it. 
It is in the heart and plan of the Lord Jesus that His truth would get into our hearts and lives when we gather together. And we as transformed people would go out these doors to a lost world that needs to hear and know about Jesus. And so I I see this woman with this quality of, of being a seeker. And I wonder, are there more people than I might think in my circle that are actually seeking? The second thing I notice about this woman is not only is she seeking, but she has what I want to call a prepared heart. God has been at work in this woman's heart and life prior to this encounter. God has been at work, and she is prepared. Her heart is prepared. Uh, she comes She comes in humility. She doesn't come with a sense of entitlement that Jesus owes her something or she deserves something. She comes in, and what's her response to Jesus? What does she do when she comes to Jesus? It says she worships Him. She bows down. That word suggests worship. She comes in a, in a spirit of humility, a spirit of worship. She even identifies him in Matthew's Gospel as the Messiah, son of David. And her, her cry, as Matthew expresses it, is, have mercy, have mercy, have mercy. And the language of the text, Maggie got a little grammatical this morning for some of you that go back to third grade with that present, past, and future tense, right? Well, the, the language of the original, the original language of the New Testament has a tense that we don't have. And it's called imperfect. And the imperfect tense describes an action that takes place over and over and over and over. It's repeated. And you see that reflected in this passage. This woman comes to Jesus and she doesn't just ask him to heal her daughter. She's asking and asking and asking. And in Matthew's gospel, the disciples have had it up to here with her. Send her away. She keeps bothering us. She keeps asking. But her heart's been prepared. Her heart's been prepared to come and to see Jesus. I wrote in my notes, she came with an empty but open heart. God God had prepared her for this moment. And isn't it a wonderful thing when you reflect on this woman coming with this prepared heart, seeking truth, seeking answers, seeking help, seeking hope. Jesus said, to those, come to me, you her heavy laden, and I will do what? Give you rest. And Jesus said, if, if we would come to him, he would never cast us out. And so I think of that with, with this woman in her culture, her context, seeking Jesus with a prepared heart. And again, I wonder as I reflect on this passage, I wonder how many people there are in in my circle, my circle of influence, that God has prepared their hearts, they're ready to hear the gospel, they're ready to respond to the gospel. And am I effectively planting those seeds, just as Ellen reminded us this morning? Seeds planted 50 years ago, bearing fruit. I don't know about you, but that's exciting to know. Because there's a lot of times, I I assume you've experienced this in your life, but there's a lot of times where you just kind of wonder if anything I ever do ever makes a difference, and anything's different, and anybody's changed, and you know. 50 years, and those seeds are bearing fruit. 
And so I wonder, are there people in my circle, are, are there people in your circle that God's prepared? He's prepared their heart to, to hear and to respond to the gospel. I think so. I had two conversations on the same day that, that kind of remind me of this. I had a conversation with, with, a, with an older woman and had a great conversation until I mentioned Jesus. Yeah, have you ever experienced this? You have this great conversation, this great dialogue together, and then I I, I mentioned Jesus and put him into the conversation, and all of a sudden she's backing away, and she says, well, I I believe heaven and hell is here on earth. You make your own heaven, you make your own hell on earth, and all of a sudden that conversation went sideways. I've had lots of those kind of conversations. But on the same day, I had a conversation with a young guy named Brandon, and he listened to the gospel, he asked questions, showed interest. Uh, agreed that the gospel made sense, but wasn't ready to make a commitment to follow Jesus. You know, we, we have those kind of conversations. God's prepared some people's hearts. They're seeking, they're open. And this story is just a reminder to me again plant seeds, plant seeds, have conversations, have dialogue with people, share God's truth. She was the woman with the right stuff. She was seeking. She had a prepared heart. And then the third thing that's kind of amazing about this woman is the simple thing that she had faith. In Matthew's Gospel, it says she had great faith. Mega. Great faith. And my first thought when I read this was, great faith. You don't hear Jesus using those words very often, do you? You know, there's, there's another account in the life of Jesus where he commended, interestingly again, another Gentile, a non-Jew, for, for great faith. But when Jesus talks to his disciples, how does he measure their faith? Little faith. No, how is it you have no faith? And here's this woman who comes to Jesus. She's seeking for help, looking for hope. And God has prepared her heart and, and, and she has faith. And I look at this passage and I see the obstacles that this woman has to overcome as she comes to Jesus. She's a woman. She's a Gentile. She's from this this other culture. She's overcoming those those cultural barriers between the the pagan, uh, immoral, idolatrous culture and religion that's a part of her life. She overcomes that barrier. Um, The other barrier that she comes over that's interesting is the disciples. You know, these these godly men, right? And their response to the woman is what? Get her out of here. She overcomes that obstacle. And according to Matthew's gospel, when she first approaches Jesus, what does Jesus do? No response. No answer. And then Jesus' second response, he says to her, well, you know, the, the food is for the children. You know, the children get the food. And in, in the metaphor, the picture that Jesus is painting, the Jews are the target audience, right? Jew first and then the Gentile. And so Jesus says to this woman, that the bread is for the children, not the dogs under the table. And it's interesting that there's two words in the original language for dogs. 
The, the first word would be the idea of kind of a feral, mongrel, scavenger, out in the streets, running wild, uncontrolled. The word that's used here is the word that would be used of a, a, a domesticated, like a family pet under the table. And this woman responds to Jesus saying, the food's for the children, not for the dogs. And what's her response? Yeah, but the, the dogs get the crumbs under the table. <laughs> I mean, what a great response. Being content with crumbs. You know, she just demonstrates amazing confidence and faith in Jesus. That he will give her exactly what she needs, even if it's crumbs. And I think what God has truly worked in this woman's heart and in her life. I was reminded of the words of Jeremiah in Jeremiah chapter 29. You will seek me and find me when you search for me. How? With all your heart. With all your heart. That, that, was, that was this woman. He said, when you search for me with all your heart, and I will be found by you. And that was this woman. She comes to Jesus with a sense of desperation. She comes to Jesus with a humble spirit. She comes to Jesus with a prepared heart. And God has given her faith. Faith is always a gift from God. Always. Bet read for us that great passage in Ephesians 2 this morning. And in that, in that passage, it, it chronicles kind of the journey. We were, we were dead in sin. But God being rich in mercy and, and great grace. For by grace you've been saved through faith and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. What is the gift of God? I believe it's the faith that's mentioned right there. And so God has gifted this woman with faith. And Jesus even calls it great faith. And so again, I find myself, as I reflect on this passage, how easy it is for me to assume that people don't want to hear about Jesus. It's easier for me to assume that people are anti Jesus or anti-gospel or they're going to have feelings hurt or be offended. When I look at this passage and I realize there are people in your world and in my world that are seeking, they have a prepared heart and God has gifted them with faith to believe. What is it that they need? They need someone to be planting seeds. They need someone to be sharing the gospel. And whether it takes 50 years like Ellen described or whether it happens in a, in a moment of time. It's a reminder to me of the value of, of planting seeds. There's people out there with the right stuff. People out there that God has prepared to hear and to respond. You've heard me say more than once, pray for Bob. And I don't mean you, Bob. We can pray for you, yes, that's cool. But you've heard me say many times, pray for Bob. Pray for a burden for lost people. Pray for opportunity. And pray for boldness. 
I don't know about you, but I need more boldness in my life. I have, I have some, some guys in, in my circle of life that their boldness just amazes me. I, I need more boldness. And so pray for Bob. Lord, give us a greater burden for lost people. Give us eyes to see the opportunities around us and, and, and give us boldness to speak to Jesus. And I don't know how that happens in your life, how that happens in my life. Um, I find myself drawn often in conversation to ask questions. You know, one of the classic questions that I learned 50 years ago, I think when I was a junior hire even, uh, when we were being trained in evangelism, uh, you know, that great question we were asked, if you were to die tonight and were to stand before God and he were to ask you why he should let you into his heaven, what would you say? Maybe there's a, a conversation in response to that. Uh, or maybe it's a simple question, like, do you have any spiritual beliefs? And find some fuel there for conversation. Um, we need to be more bold. We need to seek opportunity. I've shared with you before the outline that Ed Lewis has made famous in our churches. Fish. Be friendly. Initiate conversation. Hear their story and then share your story of the help and hope that you found in Jesus. And, and just to initiate conversation. Um, most of us aren't comfortable at initiating conversation with strangers, but I've had some amazing conversation with people I've never done. Never knew and have never talked to since. Planting, planting seeds. Be friendly, initiate, hear their story. Um, I love to hear people's story because there's always something in their story that's a kind of an open doorway to share the gospel. People are prepared. People are, are ready. Yesterday, a group of us, I don't know, 10 or 12 of us, were out at the farmer's market over at City Hall in the rain, yes, and I kind of thought, you know, I drove over here and it's raining. It wasn't raining at my house. I drove over here and it was raining and I thought, oh, this is going to be a bust. Probably no one's going to come. And we had an amazing morning. Um, how many pumpkins do we have painted there? 30? 36 total. So uh, the, the crew got these little little pumpkins, and we did pumpkin painting for the kids. We had donut, free donuts and water and other stuff. And uh, we put together little bags that uh, had some candy in it and a gospel track. And we just had an amazing time. And the thing that was fascinating to me is in the plan of God, the Relay for Life people were there on the same property at the same time. And so here we are in the east end with the farmer's market, and here's, I don't know, how many hundred people were there for that relay? A couple, three hundred people were there at the other end of the property, and uh, they were doing uh, that relay uh, for life for cancer, and there's all these other people. And so I walked around the loop and talked to several people. There, there was a Navy recruiter there. Of course, my son's in the Navy, so I was kind of drawn to that. And I went over to the Navy recruiter's booth and uh, talked to the young man that was there. I don't, I don't know why you would think you could find recruits for the Navy at a cancer event, but oh well. Um, three of the, three of his uh, sailors were walking around the, uh, with the, the, the Relay for Life folks. But I had an opportunity to engage conversation with this uh, Navy recruiter. And it was kind of, you ever had a conversation with like a brick wall where they just was like one of us wasn't there? 
you know, and it was kind of like, this conversation isn't going anywhere, Lord, I don't know where to go with this. And you're, you're going to have those kind of conversations, that's okay, that's how you learn, that's how you grow. Um, that conversation went nowhere spiritually, but making the effort, stepping out, and just trying to engage some of the conversation, you never know where it's going to go. God has prepared people in my circle of life. He's prepared people in your circle of life. He's prepared them, they're, they're seeking, they have a prepared heart. God has even gifted them with faith. They just need to hear the story. They need to learn about Jesus. They need to hear the gospel message. And so I've just been encouraged in, in reading this story and reflecting on it. Um, that great value that there's people with the right stuff. Am I engaging them? And I, am I taking advantage of the opportunities? Am I praying for Bob? And so out of that story, I want to encourage you this morning. Because there are people in your circle. There's people that need to hear the good news. There's people that God's prepared. And I just want to encourage you to see that, that reality. Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, I'm, I'm just amazed at the accounts that I read in the Gospels, the stories of your encounters with people. And I find this particular encounter fascinating. A woman, Gentile, pagan, idolatrous, with a need. And it's out of that need that you, you met her, out of that need that you touched and healed her daughter, out of that need that we see a, a woman of whom it is said she had great faith. And Lord, I pray this morning that you would speak into our hearts, speak into our lives. And I, I pray, Lord Jesus, give us a greater burden for lost people. Give us eyes to see the opportunities around us. And give us boldness Boldness to speak, boldness to ask questions, boldness to learn. Thank you for the privilege it is for us to, to simply plant seeds. It's not our job to get people to the point of faith. It's not our job to get people saved. We're just simply scattering seeds, trusting you to, to water, to fertilize, to cause growth. And so, Lord, I'm grateful this morning for the story of this woman. Grateful for the challenge that she is in my life and in each of our lives. Help us by your Holy Spirit to respond to this truth for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen.
you glad he thought about you? I sure am. In your bulletin, there's lots of good information. I know you all know how to read, but uh, we got three birthdays this week. Uh, Candy Blodgett's birthday is on Tuesday. Uh, Carol Hancock on Friday. And the one and only Maggie, her birthday is on Saturday. So... Happy birthday to them, and then uh, Salvino and Mona Castro have an anniversary on Friday, so happy anniversary, and uh, celebrate with them the good stuff that God is up to. Um, quarterly business meeting next Sunday, right after church at 11.30, that's in your bulletin. Uh, Karis women are raising money for a really important project, they're putting together some care packages for teenage gals in foster care, and uh, there's opportunity there for us to serve Jesus in serving these young ladies. You'll find that information in your bulletin. They're putting together care packages, looking for donations of $25. I'm sure they'll take all the donations and put them together. Uh, whatever you want to give and contribute to uh, be a part of that, uh, that would be just way, way cool, way awesome. Um, I've mentioned for the last three or four weeks uh, putting together a dinner this Thursday night for people that have interest in the ministry of Water for Good. And just last night, we confirmed the time and the location. So Thursday night at 5.30, uh, we're going to gather at the original roadhouse up on Whittier Boulevard in Whittier. And if you have interest and want to go, I need to know so I can put, save a place for you at the table. So please let me know. Talk to me. Email me. Text the church like the bulletin says. Something along those lines. Anybody notice anything new about our church this weekend? We have out in front of our sign, out in front of our church, an awesome new sign that is just the hugest answer to prayer and a gift from the Lord. Someone said last night that the sign just came down out of heaven. And, and, and I believe that. I really, really believe that. I'm just so so grateful that uh, we have generous and kind people that have donated to make that happen. And so what I'd like to do this morning as we conclude our service is I'd like to go out, gather around the sign and pray and dedicate that sign to the ministry of Jesus and to the ministry it's going to have in our community. So if you want to come outdoors with me, we're we're going to sign off of YouTube because the camera's not going with us, I don't think. But we're going to go out and we're going to pray and just ask God's blessing on our new sign and the ministry that it's going to have.